0: This is Mosaic Mixdam, I'm Sam Cornish. Mosaic is the biggest scientific campaign in the Arctic yet, and an expedition of this magnitude with this many moving parts doesn't simply spring off the drawing board. It's been years in the planning. So my question this time is, is everything gonna go to plan? This was recorded on board the academic Vedorov during leg one of Mosaic, before COVID-19, and I'll add an update on that at the end. No. No, I'm not expecting things to go as no. plan. <laughs> I'm not expecting everything to go to plan for those Definitely days. Definitely not. Things have already not gone mm-hmm. to plan. Depends what you mean by plan
1: you know with over 40 years of field experience I expect nothing to go to plan so I'm always thinking of contingencies and ways forward and I was doing that a lot on the way into this experiment. I think it started already by the ice flow being much thinner than expected. We encountered very thin ice. And this core ice flow um, being much smaller than originally needed but um, I think it would be the first polar expedition where everything goes to plan.
0: Right. <laughs> so at the, at the central flow site where the polar stern is frozen in, they're going to face challenges from from the movement of ice. I mean, for sure, you're not, you're not setting up a whole observatory on land. It's a moving, you know, one big moving piece of ice, pieces of ice all the time. It's really easy to underestimate how much ice can move because we are moving with it. We're like, sitting on a raft in a river and feeling like everything is just perfectly still, but over the course of an hour, you can move a kilometer or more. And There'll be times when pieces of ice crash into one another and they form what are called pressure ridges, but it's like having a almost like having an earthquake in, in the middle of your field area. A similar thing can happen if the two pieces of ice are moving apart. It can create a lead, an area of open water. Yeah, so these cracks in these ridges form,
1: and, you know, if we're out on the ice, they call us back in and we kind of just watch the crack open up and say, OK, well, I hope my hundred thousand dollar piece of equipment isn't going to float away or it's not going to fall into the sea. <laughs> yeah, but that's kind of happened now. Then it's a question of how quickly
0: can you rebuild after one of these many disasters happens so that you don't lose too much data? Of course, things are freezing up now and things will get stronger, but especially come summertime and spring, things are going to change again. There's going to be melt ponds then. Things could be just enveloped by a pool of water and we're going to lose equipment. It's inevitable that things are going to fall apart, get damaged or or fail in some way or another. That's that's part of the risk, risk versus reward
1: of making these measurements. Absolutely normal that you just get 80% or 70% or even less in a polar expedition. But they're a really capable team of people. There's a lot of
0: smart people up here. I think they'll have a pretty good success rate.
1: And I think logistically they'll have enough resources to keep things going. And even though they have sort of some retreat modes through the year, I think it, it could be a really remarkable data set that they pull off. But you know,
0: you can't go to a plan all the time. You know, plans change. Well, Plans change indeed, and the world is quite a different place now to how it was back then in October when I interviewed those scientists. So here's an update as of the end of May 2020. The plan had always been that Polarstern would remain frozen in the Arctic, drifting with the sea ice, until about September of this year but that her crew of scientists, support staff, and the ship's crew would come and go, rotating in and out with six distinct legs planned, and the resupplies taking place uh, via icebreaker and aircraft. We heard more about this in podcast number two, so I'll direct you back there for a refresher if you want it. So, how do you resupply a ship that's frozen in the Arctic sea ice with a new crew of scientists who are coming from all across the world in the middle of a global pandemic? Safety is, of course, absolutely paramount, And then the travel restrictions around the world have also made it really difficult to bring the scientists together and get them out to Polarstern. So Norway closed its borders precluding the use of Svalbard as a base for resupplies by aircraft. And restrictions in Sweden have also prevented the Swedish icebreaker Odin from being called into action. Eventually a new plan was settled upon with the mission recentering on Germany. The two research vessels from Germany are currently sailing towards Svalbard with the relief team, who have all spent two weeks or more in quarantine in northern Germany and have been tested multiple times. But the catch is that these vessels are not icebreakers, so instead of resupplying Polarstern at the central flow, where the main science is being done, Polarstern has loosed its moorings from the flow and is now, at the time of recording, making slow progress through the ice to meet the resupply vessels in calm waters near Svalbard. So this has meant temporarily abandoning that central flow and being forced to disassemble some of the instruments there until they can get back, which might be in quite a few weeks' time. Cruise leader Marcus Rex suggested that this could be a three-week hiatus initially, but Polarshton has been moving fairly slowly through quite thick ice, um, so it could be a bit more than that. You can, of course, keep up to date with this yourself by checking out some of the stories that feature on the Mosaic website. For instance, I'd recommend an article by Maddy Stone in the Washington Post uh, which helped inform this update. In light of all these challenges, I'd like to end with this from Tim Stanton.
1: I think that it's always critical that, that scientists are adaptive to the environment and it will never look like the brochure that, <laughs> that we do in our science plans. Um, and, you know, the, the good data sets come out of just being light on your feet and and seeing a way way through the problems that um, uh, sent your way. Thanks
0: for tuning in to Mosaic Mix Dan. You heard the sage and erudite voices of... Bill Shaw, Naval Postgraduate School. Andrew Davies from Woods Hole Oceanographic Institution. Daniel Watkins, Oregon State University. Matthew Boyer, Brookhaven National Laboratory.
1: Tim Stanton at Moss Landing Marine Labs and the Naval Postgraduate School. Vera Schlindwein at AWI. Recording, music and production by me, Sam Cornish, and a
0: huge thanks to Ravenna Koenig for technical support. This series of mini-podcasts is my contribution to the Mosaic School outreach effort. Do be sure to check out the other projects from Mosaic School participants online. You can look us up on the APEX website or follow Mosaic underscore Embassy on Twitter. The Mosaic School was supported by IASC, Mosaic, RV, Aris, and APEX.